celebrating 60-something once again. I am so glad you are here. Today it's a blustery, kind of windy, stormy looking day. But that's okay because I got a lot of fun things going on and I'm real excited about that. And I hope you have a lot of fun things planned for the day as well. And I hope you'll share the Celebrating 60-something podcast with your friends. The whole point of this podcast is just for fun, maybe a little information, maybe some helpful tips. There's not really a big goal in mind. It's just something fun for me to do. And I hope that it's, I don't know, brings a little sunshine or pleasure to some of you out there. You all have been really great in supporting me in transitioning to an every other week podcast with a possible bonus thrown in every now and again. It's been so helpful in allowing me to have a little more time to do some of the things I really wanted to get done. And going forward, it makes it possible for me to travel a bit and also to see my adorable grandkids. I have a fun trip coming up this next week. So I plan to continue with the every other week format. And maybe, like I said, a bonus one thrown in every now and again. And I'm asking really nicely that you please don't stop listening. Please don't forget me or forget me not, which is my attempt at a segue into today's topic. Forget me nots. The little tiny flower with the little blue petals. Are you familiar with them? Well, I wasn't until just a few years ago when my husband had to speak at a conference for young single adult women as an ecclesiastical leader. And so to go along with the topic, he decided to give each one of the attendees a little pot filled with forget-me-not flowers. And I don't even remember exactly what the presentation was about. But I helped him and we bought the pots and we planted the seeds and we handed them out at the end of the presentation. It went really well. Well, we had extra seeds left over, so me, not knowing much about forget-me-nots, decided to sprinkle the extra seeds in the little corner of our flower beds that are in the front yard. The pictures on the front of the seeds were so pretty and I thought, oh, that'll look just great right here in this little corner. Well, that summer the seeds grew and they brought pretty little green plants with blue flowers and I just loved them. I was so glad that they had done so well. And as the summer wore on, I noticed that little plants would begin to spring up here and there around the fringes of where I had planted them. Not a big deal. I pulled a couple of them out and that was the end of that. Well, the next spring there were forget-me-nots everywhere. I didn't want them everywhere. I wanted them in one little spot. So I pulled out the stragglers and just waited for the little flowers to bloom. And each time I would go out the front door, I would see more plants popping up and pull them out. But still, when the flowers did bloom, they were so pretty and I just loved them. Well, the year after that, the forget-me-nots covered the flower beds. They grew in and among all the other flowers that I had and they had jumped the sidewalk and were on the other side now. And I decided I was done with forget-me-nots. So I pulled them all out. I pulled every single one. And then I pulled them out again and again. And they just kept coming back. So this last spring, as the snow melted, this soft little cover of green covered my flower beds. It didn't even look like flowers. It looked like grass. They were so thick. So I was really frustrated now. So I got the hoe and I hoed up the whole flower bed. I took out every plant that I could possibly see. And then I hoed again a few weeks later. And then I hoed again later in the summer. And they just kept coming back. Now I know why they are called forget-me-nots. It's impossible to forget them because they just keep coming back. Maybe they should be called Remember Me's or Here I Am Again's or maybe I'm Back's. I promise you I will never forget forget-me-nots. However, the many legends of the forget-me-nots tell a more romantic story. One legend says that when the creator had finished giving out the colors to all the flowers, he heard a tiny little whisper, Forget-me-not! And all he had left was a tiny bit of blue, which the little flower was delighted to wear. Well, that sounds really sweet and nice. 
Other legends say that the flowers cried out, forget me not, to Adam and Eve as they fled the Garden of Eden. And yet another German legend tells of a knight who was walking along the riverbank with his true love. He bent over the bank to pick her some posies, but the weight of his armor caused him to fall into the river. As he was drowning in his heavy armor, he threw the posies to his love on the shore and shouted, forget me not, as he floated on down the river, and there the flowers grew. These little blue flowers symbolize true love, enduring memory, and faithfulness. But for my purposes today, I would like to focus on the enduring memory definition. Forget-me-not. The art of being remembered. Now, I'm not talking about being memorialized at your funeral at the end of your life or becoming irritating to someone like the flowers became to me just because they wouldn't go away. No, I mean being remembered after someone has met you by making a lasting impression. Being unforgettable. I wish I could insert Johnny Mathis singing unforgettable right here. What is it that makes someone stand out in your mind upon meeting them, and how do you become that person? And why should you become that person? I mean, does it really matter? Well, that depends. We all know that making a good first impression is a big plus in the business world. The salesman is more likely to get the sell if the person he's trying to sell something to likes him. So at the very first meeting, he tries all he can to make a good impression and be likable. But what about at this stage of life where we may or may not still have a career? Is it still important? Well, what do you think might happen if you actually became proactive about your social life, like you used to be proactive about your career? Our connections, our acquaintances, our social contacts, our friends have more influence on our lives than we might think, and yet many of us don't invest the time necessary in building or even maintaining connections. Much of our happiness in life and our success in our careers, if we're still working, depends on the richness and the depth of personal relationships. The more likable and relatable we are, the deeper our personal relationships are and the wider our circle gets. I don't know about all of you out there, but relationships are so important to me. They're huge. In fact, they're a major part of my life. Friends mean the world to me. Having a good relationship with my family members is important to me. So I think it's important to study the things that make you relatable and unforgettable. It's a good thing likability can be learned, just like any other skill, because remarkably memorable people are not born charming, surprisingly enough. It's a skill that you have to learn. There are so many things that go into the art of being remembered, but just like the five little petals on our forget-me-not flower, there are five behaviors that are absolutely necessary, and that's what I'm going to go over with you today. The first one is absolutely obvious. You probably know it. I don't even need to mention it, but I will. Our first pedal then is use eye contact and smile upon meeting someone. Now that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? And we've talked about this before in other podcasts, but so many of us make eye contact and smile and then turn away too quickly because a lot of us are really shy. Many of us are just too shy to look somebody in the eye, but you should look someone in the eye, make contact and smile and actually be the first one to introduce yourself. Even if you're not the host, Act like you're the host. Be the first one to say hello and shake hands. Well, after COVID's over anyway. It would carry the eye contact and a smile a bit further if you asked a simple question appropriate for the situation, such as, how are you enjoying our beautiful weather here in San Diego? Or maybe, your name is Fishbeck? I know some Fishbecks from Lansing, Michigan. Any chance you're from around there? Just something more than a look and a nod. 
make them feel like you are engaged right from their very first introduction. That's our pedal number one. Our second pedal is to remember their name. Now, I'm not nearly as good at this as I used to be, but when I am on my game, I try to find something that helps me remember their name, such as the last name connection, which I just mentioned above, the Fishbeck example, or something about their appearance that reminds me of another Barbara that I know. If I know another Barbara and she has dark hair and this person also has dark hair, I'm going to think, okay, the dark hair, I'm going to remember Barbara. People love being remembered, and the sweetest sound to a person is their own name. It makes them feel welcome and part of whatever's going on. They feel that they are important to you. So call them by their name after you meet them and try using their name in the conversation when you can. Our third little pedal is listen. Listen, listen, listen. You not only become more likable, but you really get to know and like the other person. Show genuine interest. Be curious. Ask open-ended questions and let them know you're enjoying the conversation. Be aware not to yawn or look bored or let your eyes rove around the room. Those are all important no's. People can tell that you're not interested if you drift off and stare at somebody else or if you yawn and act bored. When people feel good as they talk to you, they will associate those good feelings with you. Here's an example. Del Carnegie, who wrote the book How to Win Friends and Influence People, shared how he made himself memorable in a positive way. He was at a dinner party, and he started talking with a gentleman at his table. The man spoke for hours while only allowing Del Carnegie to speak for a minute or two. After four hours, the man stated to everyone at the table, Del Carnegie is the best conversationalist I've ever met. Because he was an active listener, Del Carnegie was not only portrayed as a great conversationalist, but the man instantly took a liking to him. Since Mr. Carnegie was interested in him, he was interested in Mr. Carnegie, and later he provided Del Carnegie with a great sales opportunity. Well, just a couple of things here. I would rather have my eyes plucked out with a hot poker than sit at a dinner party listening to someone go on about themselves for four hours or even go on about their latest investment venture. I don't care what the topic is. Even if the food was fantastic, kill me now. And maybe it was worth Del Carnegie getting a big sale out of the deal. But if it was a social gathering, I would either speak up, be a little bit more outspoken, or turn my attention to another guest or at least excuse myself and go to the bathroom. There are limits to how far I would go to make someone feel good about our conversation. A conversation is a give and take, but at the very least, we should listen more than we talk when we first meet someone. That makes us a good conversationalist. Unless, of course, the other person doesn't talk at all. And in that case, we might need to carry the conversation. Our next little pedal is to be enthusiastic and genuinely happy. That's pedal number four. If you choose and happiness is a choice, to be genuinely happy in life, then coming across that way when meeting someone is a cinch. It's no big deal. It's who you are. I enjoy being around happy people. They're fun. Their happiness is contagious. They seem to bring everyone into the group because people gravitate to upbeat, positive, and cheerful people. Because they're happy, they're interesting, and they have had fun experiences to share. Happy people laugh a lot. And we all know laughter is the very best medicine for anything that ails you. So, choose happy. Display your sense of humor because people actually remember humor six times longer than regular conversation. Throw in a funny story. And it's an art to be remembered after all, right? Be relatable. 
People love to talk to other people who have had similar experiences or come from similar backgrounds. I know I do. I enjoy people that I have something in common with. That's why it's so important to find common ground when first meeting someone, because it gives you something to bond over and to talk about together. One of the best resources I have found for being relatable to people is stories. People remember stories more than a regular conversation. Long after the night has ended, a person will remember a story they heard, probably share it with someone else or a lot of different people, and remember you who shared it with them. If it's a story that actually happened to you, all the better. You've probably just made yourself unforgettable. And again, I would like to insert Johnny Mathis singing right here, but I can't. My husband is really good at this. He's a great storyteller. When he meets someone and he begins to have a conversation, he'll say, oh, that reminds me of a story. And then he'll tell a story. And he really is a good conversationalist. And people like him because he has a good time and he shares stories and funny little things that happen. Unforgettable, the art of being remembered. Or forget-me-not, however you want to say it. That's you from now on. You're going to scatter forget-me-not seeds wherever you go with whomever you meet. Just remember those five little blue petals. Eye contact, smile, be the first to introduce yourself, act as if you're the host even if you're not. Petal number two, remember the other person's name and use it in your conversation. Everyone likes the sound of their own name and it makes them feel included. Petal number three, listen more than you talk. Ask open-ended questions, act interested and watch your body language. Petal number four, be enthusiastic and genuinely happy. Happiness is a choice, so choose to be happy and you'll come across as happy. Show your sense of humor. Tell a joke if you got a good one. Number five, be relatable. Find common ground. Use stories to underscore common experiences or backgrounds. First impressions can become lasting impressions, so be sure to make a good one. Social contacts are important at this stage of our life. Who knows where a new relationship will go? We all can use more friends, right? Put your best self out there. Be charming. Be happy. And if you have a spare spot in your garden, and you dare, scatter a few forget-me-not seeds there as well. Well, That's it, ladies. Just a short little podcast today. Just a happy little piece of advice. I hope you go out and meet somebody new today. Make it a point. Introduce yourself. Talk to somebody in the grocery line. Just be spontaneous. Sit by somebody on the bus. Strike up a conversation. Make yourself unforgettable. And if you can, listen to Johnny Mathis too. Before I go, just a quick little reminder. If you subscribe to our website and blog, you will get an email reminding you when the podcasts come out. I also would love to hear your comments and your ideas. Send me an email, celebrating60something at gmail.com. 60 is S-I-X-T-Y. Leave us a comment on the Facebook page. Give us a rating on Celebrating 60 Something, the podcast. All of those things would mean the world to me, and I would appreciate it so much. Thank you for listening. Bye.